We the ones. We the ones they talking about. Broadway Sports Media. Justin and Justin Titans podcast show. Some of it was bad, but hopefully you'll you probably piece something together. Outstanding. There's an earthquake in the middle of the podcast. Unbelievable. We're begging for listeners. That's all we do. We all we got. Hey, Titans on three. One, two, three. Welcome, everyone, to another edition of the Music City Audible Podcast, brought to you by Broadway Sports Media, partnered with 440 Sports. I'm Justin Graver. Joining me, as always, Justin Mello, to talk about some takeaways from the first week of Titans OTAs. How you doing, Justin? Doing well, man. We've... I think some would say we're in the slow period, right, of the of the NFL offseason, so to speak, but I, I think we've come up with some pretty interesting topics to discuss today. If it's slow now, wait till after June 16th. It gets really slow. <laughs> but yes, we do have a few things to talk about. We record on Monday night, so it is Monday, May 30th. Tuesday, obviously, is May 31st. The next round of Titans OTAs start on Tuesday, May 31st. And then on Wednesday, June 1st, that's a pretty big day for the Titans because the Titans cut Julio Jones earlier this offseason and designated it as a post-June 1st cut spreads out the cap the dead cap hit uh, some on this year and some on next year instead of taking it all on this year and that frees up a cool 9.5 million dollars in cap room so we're going to start there before we talk about some titans otas let's talk about what's going to happen with this 9.5 million dollars anything are the Titans going to add an offensive lineman, a veteran, to come in and compete at, at maybe at left guard, maybe at right tackle? Or is John Robinson going to hold on to this money until August and do maybe like a Kenny Vaccaro-style signing like he did in August that, that season that they brought Vaccaro in? Or look for a veteran in case somebody, a key player on the Titans, gets injured during training camp, save that money to sign somebody then? Who knows? What are your thoughts before we start really talking about OTAs on the money the Titans are about to acquire? Yeah, it's interesting. A couple of things I want to note. First off, it's obviously a, a semantics here, but it's a post June 1st uh, designation. So I believe they actually get that money on June 2nd, right? It is the way that works. So on Thursday, June 2nd, 9.5 million, as you said, it's going to take them over uh, well over 10 million in cap space, right? About, about 11 and change, I believe, um, total. So it's a decent uh, chunk of money, right? You can certainly do something with it if you decide to. What John Robinson does, uh, I'd be lying if I pretended to know, right? I mean, <laughs> I think an offensive lineman is a good uh, bet, right? You said left guard, right tackle. Of course, that there's an open competition there at both spots. We'll get into a little bit of that uh, uh, here in a few minutes, but left guard, right tackle, you could potentially look at either or, right? And, and honestly, I couldn't tell you which one they should prioritize, right? It's really tough to say. Yeah. I, you can make a really strong argument for both spots. And there's a lot of talent still out there, by the way. When I recently wrote an article um, on Eric Flowers, who I think is a, a plug-and-play type left guard, really good fit in between Taylor Lewan and Ben Jones there. Uh, Laurent Duvernay-Tardif, New York Jets uh, unrestricted free agent, played in this outside zone scheme last year with the Jets as a plug-and-play left guard, in my opinion. There's good Dwayne Brown, right? Like a veteran tackle that's, I mean, very veteran. Right? He's approaching 38, 39 years old, but a proven guy that can play tackle. Eric Fisher, right, who was okay for the Colts last year for sure, can come in and play right tackle if need be. Daryl Williams, another veteran, right? So I actually find there's probably more offensive line talent than possibly any position out there. Of course, Titans fans are keep pointing to Will Fuller 
an obvious fit with Mike Vrabel and Tim Kelly and, and everyone on the coaching staff and a potential need um, at receiver, right? In the wake of moving on from AJ Brown, you can certainly argue that they could use another uh, veteran there. Uh, I yeah. mean, they're not going to go get Odell Beckham Jr., but it's just an example of some of the talent that's still available, right? Like he's still an unrestricted free agent. So there's a lot of things they can do with this money. You also said it. They could also do nothing, right? Like John Robinson is the type of guy that I feel like likes to keep a bit of a nest egg throughout the regular season in case something happens. I mean, you remember a few years ago, they had the cap space, uh, not that it required a ton, but to be able to trade for a Desmond King midseason, right? To address a position where they feel they're not getting the desired production out of uh, by week six, week seven, uh, and, and so on. So that's a possibility. You could leave that money. Injuries, really big part of training camp. Every year, you know, knock on wood, a couple of teams lose some really good, important players, right? I look at the Baltimore Ravens last year. I think it's a situation yeah. I've never seen before. They lost J.K. Dobbins, Gus Edwards, and Marcus Peters before the regular season even started. And they were all out for the season, right? It was mostly, I think, two torn ACL and one Achilles. Yeah. I believe it was there. So uh, you, something like that could happen. You know, again, God willing, of course it doesn't. You knock on wood, but uh, you might want to keep some money available in, in case that happens. So, um, so many directions he could take this money in. One thing's for sure is that it's a good situation to be in, right? You're happy to be back to having above $10 million in cap space. Most of your rookies are already signed. I think it's Malik Willis and maybe Roger McCreary potentially are the only two that are left unsigned. So you're in good standing there. You're not worried about the cap with with rookies and whatnot so they've got room to do something it's going to be fun to monitor uh whether they do so or not yeah pay attention to the rumor mill here after the titans get this money because like you said I, they're I still think, i think in the league in general i think we're in for a pretty exciting week or even uh, the week after like a lot of these teams you know waiting on this money and, and don't make be mistaken a lot of these free agents are waiting on it too there's a reason so many of these guys are available um ever since this was introduced into the cba i believe it was in 06 with the post june first designation it's become a big part of free agency right that post june second money that post june first money that comes in so there's a lot of talent available right now and it's not a coincidence everybody team players included is waiting for this money Exactly. So we'll monitor that over the next few days. Maybe by the next episode, we'll have something to talk about. But I, if I had to predict right now, I would say it's going to take a little bit of time for this money to be spent. Probably not until training camp, but we'll see what happens. Do you have a prediction for it before we move on? I'm going to, I'm going to tend to agree with you. I think, I mean, if they want to bring in a veteran, that's going to cost them, you know, two, three million. I could see that potentially. Uh, being a possibility, I'd look at safety as an underrated. I know we're looking at O-line receiver safety. A move at safety wouldn't shock me. Uh, really depends on how they feel about that newcomer, A.J. Moore, that none of us know a ton about, right? Really a special teams guy more than anything to our knowledge. But, hey, that's what they said about Ola Daney last year, and he came in and contributed, so I guess you never know. But uh, yeah. I think safety is a, is a possibility where they look to add a low-cost veteran. I, I'm going to tend to agree with you, though. I don't think they do anything huge. They could, but I'm going to guess that they don't and save that money in case uh, someone important goes down at training camp. Right. So let's talk about some OTA stuff. We got some videos coming out. We got Jim Wyatt putting out observation articles, and we're going to talk about some things that stood out to us. The first thing we're going to talk about is Dylan Radins, Titans' second-round pick from last season who didn't play a lot, got to start at left tackle against the 49ers on Thursday Night Football, held his own there, and uh, we've been kind of joking because we still don't know what position he's competing for. And we were hoping that OTAs might give us some clarity there, see where he's spending the most majority of his time working. 
And we know nothing more than we did, I think, before OTA started. Raiden's still working at multiple positions on the offensive line. What do you think of all that? So predictable, isn't it? I, th I think it we're is. probably fools if we thought it would be any other way. Uh, you know, one of those observations articles from Jim Wyatt mentioned uh, Raiden has been working both at guard and tackle, although you know he's a strong candidate to start at right tackle. I wouldn't read too much into it. It really felt like Jim just sort of giving his opinion um, on the yeah. player himself. And, and again, remember, he's employed by the team, so I don't think he's going to use any insider info he gets there um, to, to update us unless he's been cleared to do so, right? So uh, I felt Jim saying that it was interesting, but I felt it was more just him sharing his opinion, um, uh, probably on the player himself. But when they asked Mike Vrabel about it, predictable. He's working inside. He's working outside. We'll get the best five. We'll see which combination works for us, yada, yada, yada. And then I'm sure you saw Raiden uh, made a joke on Twitter, yeah, right? That, that was funny. Uh, uh, Paul Kuharski, I guess, had some fun picking apart and, and, and getting all angry over. But uh, what did they say? <laughs> Guard tackle. So he said something about. I, like, uh, yeah. I I sit in the center of the bench. I guard the water and I tackle anyone that tries to steal it, or something. Right. Like that. It's worth noting. I put on my Sherlock Holmes detective hat. Uh, Dylan's Raiden seemed to have tweeted that live from his bachelor party. It looks like uh, he's getting married this year. Um, he, it looks like they took a trip to somewhere. I believe it was somewhere in Florida. Uh, everyone, Taylor Lewan is there. Uh, Jordan, guys that you forgot are Titans. Not to be, not trying to be rude, but Jordan Roos is there. If you don't remember Jordan <laughs> Roos, he's got the most majestic hair and beard combination you've ever seen in your life. Uh, Christian Delaro is there. A guy, he was, at, if you remember him, he was active for that 49ers game. Uh, right. The one that rated started at tackle spent most of his season on Tennessee's uh, practice squad. So all these guys were at Raiden's bachelor party. Taylor Lewan was sharing clips. Raiden's looked to be pretty hammered, right? A couple photos of him passed out, having a great throwing up off a boat at one yeah. point, which I thought was hilarious. Was uh, he drunk tweet, or seasick? Drunkers, that's, uh, I'm going to go with drunk based on some of what, <laughs> what we saw. Some of the some of the bottles and cans that were lying around, as you should be. Every, everyone should get drunk on their bachelor party. Uh, no, yeah. no judgment here. But uh, it seems that tweet was fired off in the middle of his bachelor party. So I can just picture him picking up his phone, reading those comments, hammered, and saying, you know what, screw it, I'm going to have some fun with it, right? And just yeah. firing off a joke, which, of course, like again, as I said, Paul Kaharski, he seems to be pretty ticked off by it. I think quote tweeted it and said, what do Titans fans think about Dylan Raiden's joking about this uh you know it's you know it get, heading into his second professional season so and not not a whole lot to say I have no issues with Raiden's making a joke it is what it is yeah I mean he's either. pretty comfortable with where he's at uh, his spot on the team um it'll be interesting to monitor going forward but it seems like we're gonna wait a long time until we find out which position he's playing well does this make you I mean does this give you confidence or make you lose confidence in his ability to actually compete for a starting job this year because for me it, I lose confidence in that. Like, why is he still working at multiple positions? What is the coach? What is the goal here? Is he going to be a swing offensive lineman this year? Or is he competing to start somewhere at right tackle or wherever? Because I know it's not training camp yet and whatever. They have plenty of time. But, like, this guy's footwork at right tackle was a mess in the preseason. The only time we saw him play this position and the fact that he still isn't focusing on just one position makes me think that they don't feel confident enough to just stick him somewhere. So I'm a little, I mean, it's like, whatever, it's too early to read into anything, but it is a little concerning to me. I do agree it's a little concerning. You certainly don't aim uh, to draft a versatile swing offensive lineman in the second round, right? I, right. I don't think any team 
heads into an NFL draft with that as the goal. Um, it's definitely worth monitoring going forward. You have to figure that at some point throughout this summer, and it, it may not be this week. It may not be that at June 14 to 16 period uh, you mentioned, um, but, at, but at some point, You've got to know what your starting five is going to be and let them practice it, right? Like, I understand holding an open competition between two players, right? Say a Jamarco Jones versus Aaron Brewer at left guard. Heck, even uh, Dylan Raids versus Nicholas uh, Petit-Friere at right tackle. But at least that's still somewhat defined, right? They're, you know, right. players who are working at one position and battling to see who's going to start at that position. If they can't at least narrow it down to that, by the time, you know, training camp uh, well, uh, marks its arrival weeks before preseason week one. If we can't narrow it down to that, then it becomes even more concerning. Yeah, no doubt. So it's still time, but like, it's not the way I would have hoped this was unfolding right now. We talked about that a little last week. Yeah. Um, something else we noticed is that Robert Woods, we talked about this last week, hoping that Robert Woods would be out there because he tweeted out or showed that Instagram reel of him working out and cutting and whatever. And he has been full participant in OTAs so far. Wearing a knee brace on the repaired, torn ACL repaired knee, but uh, out there catching passes, building chemistry with Ryan Tannehill, and looks like the new um, go. I mean, he's, I don't know how much of a go to target he's going to be, but he might be the best go to target the Titans have right now until Traylon Burks really develops. Who, by the way, side note on Traylon Burks, has gone in and out of practice a few times, you know, running inside and back outside. Who knows what that's all about? We're just kind of reading the reports here and. He's making catches too, but Robert Woods, to be this far along in his recovery from the torn ACL is a huge, hugely encouraging sign for the Titans offense because with it, the loss of A.J. Brown, you know, they don't, like, if they start week one with Robert Woods being not that, not close to 100%, that is a weak receiving core. But with Robert Woods out there, you're, you feel a lot better about it. So it's nice to see him getting, getting running around on the field already. Yeah, I think this is a huge side, right? Very, very promising, right? Like, uh, I think one thing we would compare it to is he he's way ahead of where Taylor Lewan and Bud Dupree were last year, right? Coming off similar injuries. So that's really, really promising. Exciting to see him out there. You almost feel like he's nearing full speed already, don't you? Yeah, he looks like it. Like, that's how great, though. Again, I know they're, you know, controlled videos, but that's how great they look. He, he's doing what he's doing, right? There's no way to manipulate that, so to speak. So he looks really good. I think it's super promising. Uh, I, I, would, I would agree with you where I would be really concerned about this pass-catching corpse, even heading into week one uh, against the Giants, where if you, if you didn't have – if you only had a 70% Robert Woods, 60% Robert Woods, pretty concerning, right? You're looking at Nick Westbrook and, and a couple of rookies, right, and Traylon Burks yeah. and Kyle Phillips. Oops, right so uh really promising sign and yeah I, I think there's you know we'll, we'll get into more of this conversation later uh in later episodes but if, he, if he's this healthy to start a, a great chance he's your receiver one i would say yeah i think he is probably the best bet right now to lead the titans in receptions and yards um someone who might be the best bet to lead them in touchdowns though is austin hooper who has been out there mm. Got an, a whole article to himself from Jim Wyatt, uh, not just a mentioned in observations article, and looking like a big piece of this Titans offense. I, I think something Mike Herndon at Mike Miracles tweeted the other day was pretty spot on that he allows the Titans to run 12 personnel, and the defense doesn't know based on him being on the field if it's a run or a pass, the way that last season they swapped Anthony Ferkser, Michael Pruitt, Jeff Swaim around, and you kind of knew if Ferkser's on the field, not a very high chance that they run the ball. And uh, with Austin Hooper out there, that all goes away, and I think you could see that lead to more explosive plays. But I don't know. Not I don't know what 
exactly you want to say on Austin Hooper, except that maybe Titans fans are forgetting about him a little bit, or at least national media covering the Titans and ranking their pass catchers or whatever, and are seem to be forgetting that he's on the team now. Yeah, I'll say this about Austin Hooper. First of all, it's definitely a great point by Mike. You and I have talked about that. We talked about that when they lost John U. Smith, right? Like it was an immediate concern of ours, and, and we were proven correct, right? Losing that versatility of uh, not tipping your hand, whether it's a uh, pass or run. So one thing I'll say on Hooper is uh, I think there's a big opportunity for him here to come in and be very productive. Look, there's probably going to be a, a fair amount of targets up for grabs, right? Obviously losing A.J. Brown, relying on all these rookies, a lot of targets to go around in the passing game. I think Austin Hooper's a really good bet to have a pretty strong season in that department, right? This is a guy, don't forget, in Atlanta, I'm not saying he's going to reach these heights, but in Atlanta, he's thrown together back-to-back seasons with like 75 receptions, right? Like that's, that's a lot of catches, right? And look, he ends up signing a huge deal in Cleveland, whatever, I think it was like four years, $44 million dollars. You know, what a change in, in scenery for him going from Atlanta to Cleveland. Now he's in a run first offense that has another tight end in, in David Njoku, a two headed monster in the backfield in Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. The opportunities just weren't there, right? This past year, the passing offense was so bad in Cleveland. It was really broken, to be honest. Like with Baker Mayfield playing through that shoulder injury, they really struggled to throw the ball, losing Odell Beckham midseason uh, due to that, you know, controversial situation there. And, and they struggled to pick up the slack, right? One thing I find very ironic, and, and I'm not going to put a Titan spin on this and be biased because I'm going to guess teams still know best, but I find it really ironic that. Uh, Austin Hooper outproduced David Njoku last season in Cleveland. They end up cutting Hooper to save money, and they made yeah. Njoku like one of the top five highest paid tight ends earlier this Franchise week. Franchise tag like 12 him. Or $13 and then, million dollars a season. Yeah, Obviously, after, they're counting. Sorry, go ahead. After they franchise tagged him, which was yes. already going to be a huge price tag for a tight end. Yeah, they tagged him, and then now they made the long-term financial commitment to him, right? I think he got like $30 million in guaranteed money, so it's at least a two-year deal before they can get out of it. And it, it becomes a t- – you have this, essentially a very similar contract to what Mark Andrews got in Baltimore, David. And I noticed Mark Andrews got about $10 million more in guarantees – but the term is essentially exactly the same, like four years, 40 or whatever it was. Uh, I don't know if it was four or 44. That might be a Dawson Hooper one that he signed in Cleveland initially. I'm, I'm, I'm crossing my wires here, but uh, <laughs> uh, Hooper's a guy that's a, a proven producer. Again, back-to-back 70 yard catches, uh, 70 yard seasons. 70 catch seasons in Atlanta, excuse me. Uh, and I think he's going to come here. And I think it's safe to expect about 50, 55 receptions from Austin Hooper this season. That's the number I'm putting on. Yeah, I'm pretty excited about having Austin Hooper on the just as part of the pass catching corps here in Tennessee. And I think that he's going to be an interesting guy that, I mean, in the red zone, he's a big target. And Ryan Tannehill has traditionally liked throwing to those tight ends in the red zone, even when yeah. it's just like Jeff Swain or Michael Pruitt or a random like second or <laughs> they, third tight end. And they missed, they, they missed John Smith there last year. That's right? one of the biggest things we talked about. Uh, when, when Smith left, it wasn't all the, just like the yardage you were losing. They lost eight touchdowns. He had, I think it was the year yeah. before. So uh, a lot of red zone touchdowns, uh, were, were lost with John new and Hooper's the guy that can come in and hopefully pick up some of that slack. Yeah. So let's talk about now about the quarterback position and maybe some rule changes last week. The NFL announced some rule changes, uh, to the changes to the practice squad, changes to injured reserve, kind of updating and keeping the, some of the rules they made during COVID. Uh, more official, more permanent, um, able to bring players back from IR, the boomerang IR, um, and then expanding the practice squad to 16 players now. And uh, only 10 of those have to be 
um, players with no more than two accrued seasons, which means you can get to keep six veterans on your practice squad now. So how that relates to the Titans and the quarterback position is interesting here. And while we're talking about it, we should probably mention that Ryan Tannehill and Malik Willis, there's like no issue with the mentoring thing that everyone tried to make a big deal on like Good Morning Football and every single talk show talking about Ryan Tannehill being a bad mentor or whatever. Complete nonsense. And that's all been put to bed. But now we'll talk about Malik competing with Logan Woodside for that number two quarterback job and what you think the Titans might do on the final roster. Does Logan Woodside end up sticking on the 53 with Malik Willis? They keep three quarterbacks. Does this new practice squad expansion allow them to try to keep Logan Woodside there and risk a team signing him to their active roster? I don't know if we've seen enough Logan Woodside in actual NFL games to, for that to be a true concern, but, you know, Arthur Smith might be a type of player. The Falcons with uh, Desmond Ritter and Marcus Mariota may be looking for somebody that knows the offense to come in and help, you know, a young guy and help Marcus. You know, obviously Woodside and Mariota have a relationship and Arthur Smith has that relationship with them. So, I mean, that'd be the biggest risk I think is Atlanta trying to sign him because most other teams I feel like are pretty set at quarterback, but you never know a Seattle or somebody who's like, doesn't have the position settled. What do you make of this battle here? And uh, anything that coming out of OTAs make you feel like you're leaning one way or the other? No, quick thing I'll say, uh, first of all, about the practice squad. I, I love the rules of uh, the rule changes. I love increasing the 16 players. I love being able would keep six vet, uh, six veterans essentially on that practice squad. I am a big fan of any rules that keep players, uh, veterans, young guys, whatever, employed for longer portions of time. So I think this is great for the league. It's it's even better for the players. Really excited. Uh, there's so many guys out there who, who who deserve an opportunity, deserve to have their careers extended. And, and remember, what is it? You need to accrue like three seasons to get into the pension program and all that stuff. So uh, there's a lot of good that comes from this. Let's, let's not let's not lose sight of that. Um, right. In relation to the quarterback position, I might be a nerd. I, I think uh, I, I made you bring this topic up on this episode because I just wrote an article on this and, and I was really fascinated by it. I don't know why I got this in my head, but I, I started to get excited as I thought about it. Um, the Titans have never, at least on their initial 53-man roster coming out of preseason, they have never kept three quarterbacks in the John Robinson era. I went all the way back 2016, not one time, right? Whether it was uh, Marcus Mariota and Blaine Gabbert, I guess Marcus Mariota and Matt Castle, um, heck, even Marcus Mariota and Ryan Tannehill, right? Or now Ryan Tannehill and Logan Woodside. It has always been two quarterbacks. Now, I'm not going to pretend like they've never kept three. I don't know if they have or haven't. Um, you know, there might have been a week seven in 2018 where they needed a third quarterback. Uh, and I, that's not the point, right? The, the key is they obviously <laughs> prefer to enter the regular season, their initial 53-man roster. They have preferred to traditionally, not traditionally, all the time, right? They've kept two quarterbacks. Yeah. Uh, six, what, 2016 to now, it's always been two. So really intriguing to me thinking how, huh, that might have to change in 2022, right? Now they've used that extra roster spot. Last year, they kept a bunch of safeties. You'll remember coming out of right? So many, right? Bradley McDougal, all kinds of guys. Uh, right. Chris Daniel Jones is another this. one. So uh, they've kept additional receivers in previous years, right? He headed into a year with six or seven receivers. So if that has to change this year, and I think it will, I'll, I'll make the, my prediction early in my statement here. Um, I think they are going to have to keep three quarterbacks. And, and I think now, look, we all know Malik Willis is coming into the league. Um, he faces a steep learning curve, right? That's why, uh, not sugarcoating it, it's why he was available in the third round. Clearly, a lot of teams didn't have a ton of faith in the process ahead. 
Uh, we know it's a learning curve ahead. Now, all indications are the Titans are really thrilled with his progress thus far, right? But remember some of the things he's had to focus on, right? The throwing motion, the footwork, getting comfortable under center, um, uh, a, a much more complex and difficult playbook, right, than the one Liberty asked them uh, to run uh, in college, right? Going through progressions, not all, you know, targeting the middle of the field, not things he did uh, with great frequency at Liberty. So this was a steep learning curve for Malik Willis. This draft pick was always about, uh, a hopeful future, right, is, is what I said in my article. I don't think the Titans are expecting uh, an immediate return on their investment here, right? So it's interesting because you wonder if Logan Woodside's roster spot isn't directly tied to Malik Willis. If Willis comes in, it, 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 there's so much at stake here, right? He, he would have to prove capable and earn the trust of the coaching staff that he's ready to step into an NFL game unexpectedly, unprompted, right? A Ryan Tannehill injury. Can Malik Willis come in, operate this offense at the desired level? That's what it would take to even consider cutting Logan Woodside and moving forward with two quarterbacks. That may be a little unfair to Woodside, right? Because that makes it sound like he doesn't have a voice here and he doesn't have a way to earn his own roster spot. I don't think that's necessarily true. I'm sure he does. They've routinely praised him. Look, he had a stint on the practice squad in 2018 and 2019, makes the final roster in 2020 and 2021. That's essentially four seasons newsflash. The Titans like Logan Woodside, right? You don't keep a guy for around for four years, essentially. John Robinson, Mike Vrabel, Todd Downing, Pat O'Hara, they all like Logan Woodside. He's a great pro. He's good friends at Ryan Tannehill. has become a great backup for them. Uh, more, most importantly, a great grasp of the system, right? That's what I think they really like about Logan Woodside is how well he knows this offense. And, and everyone talks about Ryan Tannehill. He's going to be a resource to uh, Malik Willis as well, right? Like he's going to, Malik Willis is going to learn from Logan Woodside too, right? Because Logan Woodside knows the playbook like the back of his hand. Let's not forget that. Let's not lose sight of that. So, uh, but it's a really interesting topic to me, right? Because they've never kept three. Uh, I think they might find themselves now in a situation uh, where they may have to. Yeah, I agree. I think that that might be how it goes because, well, I don't know. We'll see. I do think there's a chance he ends up on the practice squad still, but. Yeah, I do think that you could see them carry three quarterbacks because, or it could be a situation where Logan Woodside starts on the practice squad and they carry their 53-man roster, and then Woodside gets elevated from the practice squad because you now they've bumped up the number of elevations yeah. you get for game day from three to four this year. So maybe the first three or four weeks, Woodside's elevated to QB2 status, and then after week four, somebody's on IR or you see if Malik Willis is ready to be your QB2 or whatever it is, and maybe you bump up Woodside to the 53-man roster and carry three quarterbacks or what? But that's interesting because there's a lot of ways that that could unfold. That's a good point because you could always elevate him, like you said, throughout the early portion. Because uh, I think you'd agree with me, and, and Titans fans may not love hearing this, but uh, if they had to start a game tomorrow and Ryan Tannehill was hurt, who do you think starts? Oh, it's – I mean, tomorrow it's Logan Woodside. Right. The question is and by, again, like – yeah, yeah, they don't have a game tomorrow. I get that. That's the plus side. But, look, Malik Willis's progress – uh, is really going to be measured throughout training camp in the preseason, right? That's where we'll get a great feel uh, for where he's at. And that may help decide um, the Logan Woodside outcome, right? But I like what you said about Atlanta. I was going to bring that up. I mean, that's public enemy number one, right? If you're making Logan Woodside available, Arthur Smith really likes Logan Woodside. So if you're trying to sneak him onto your practice squad, if they get an injury there in Atlanta, 
Uh, Marcus Mariota, Desmond Ritter, and not not the healthiest guy, right? <laughs> right in the world, yeah. typically Mariota, uh, given his history. So if they if they even get a single injury there in Atlanta, and Logan Woodside is available, I think Atlanta doesn't even think twice. I think they go get Logan Woodside almost immediately, right? So that's yeah. something you have, and and I wouldn't rule it out um, that they if they do try to get him onto the practice squad, Tennessee does. I wouldn't rule out Atlanta carrying three quarterbacks, right? It doesn't have to be Marcus Mariota or Desmond Ritter gets hurt. Like they might carry three. They might love Logan Woodside, as you said, ability to teach Desmond Ritter, bring him along. Arthur Smith loves Logan Woodside. He, he knows the playbook, right? So uh, I think cutting him and trying to get him onto the practice squad is potentially a riskier bet uh, than most people think it is. Yeah, agreed. And they, Atlanta still has Felipe Franks there too, but he had a pretty nasty leg injury last year and who knows what his status is and they could just one put career, him on and one career squad. throw right like one career yeah. throwing attempt and it was it was picked off by the way for those <laughs> for those who don't know and another thing i'll, I'll quickly mention underrated a lot of offense it's not just atlanta right there's a lot of offenses that run a very similar system right so if there's an injury with the san francisco 49ers green bay packers the new york jets right and so many others like uh, logan woodside may be seen as an option for any one of these uh teams uh if there's an injury at quarterback and he's on your practice squad so they can pluck him away right well anything else you want to say about otas before we wrap this up no certainly excited to see how it progresses as you said there, there will be some more uh, action this week I, I think the big thing for titans fans right now is that that cap space on thursday june 2nd right it'd be really again and, and nothing may happen but i think it's one of the more intriguing things that could happen uh in tennessee over these next couple of weeks as we yeah. get ready for as you said uh that mandatory mini camp i believe they call it right which is about june 14th to 16th so that'll be really exciting and it's it's sooner than we realize that's right. Yeah. Looking ahead at the Titans practice schedule, they got OTAs May 31st to June 2nd. Then they'll take a few days off and be back June 6th through June 9th. We will be back on June 7th to continue talking about whatever whatever happens over the next week. And then, yes, as you said, the Titans mandatory minicamp, the last thing they will do before they hit the breaks for the summer, before training camp starts in late July, is June 14th through 16th. So we'll have to, a chance to talk about that next week and the week after. Until then, you guys know where to find us. Follow Justin on Twitter at JustinM underscore NFL. You can find me, obviously, at Titans Film Room. Be sure to check out BroadwaySportsMedia.com. Be sure to check out 440 Sports Podcast Network and all the shows they have and the uh, the football show that Zach and Braden have been doing every week on live stream on, on Twitter and all the live stream platforms you can find it there check out that show it's a really fun talk show that they've been uh started uh, pretty recently but it's a fun show and we will be back like i said next week to continue this titans talk this was episode 101 we turned 100 last week we mentioned that and that was pretty fun we got a nice shout out on twitter a little congrats from one of our dedicated listeners jacob sane at j sanity so thank you jacob for the uh, 100 whatever gif thing you posted to represent our 100th episode we appreciate it um anyway we'll be back until then you guys stay safe out there and tighten up a broadway sports media production